0: Okay, so the questions we have today, and I've just got to scroll and find them. I've gone way too far. Hang on. The first one, here we go. First one was, this is Jamie's one. If you're feeling under the weather and can't get steps in or a workout, do you drop calories for the days or carry on as normal and make it up where you're feeling better that's a question for this evening so that's now what would be your take on it Sarah if you're feeling under the weather and you can't get the steps in or or do a workout would you drop your calories or carry on as normal and make it up the next day
1: it's a really good question and you know what it's not the first time that I've been asked it either and there's so many different ways to answer it as well it's very much I think personal preference and very much situation The main thing that I think the most important thing about if there's a day, whether it be that something's happened and you're not in the mood for it, whether it be you are ill, something happens, it means you you're not in your normal routine for one or two days. It's not the end of the world. That's the most important thing, I think, to realise if it's a couple of days, it really is not make or break. It's how that then continues on for the rest of the week or the rest of the next two weeks, whatever it is. I would personally say, if it's, for example, I think in the scenario, it was, was it for a couple of days, my personal take would be, if your body is in a position where you aren't well, you need to focus on getting yourself better, and taxing your body by putting into a a deficit continually, um, and putting it into a bigger deficit, if in theory you're already in one, so Using eating less calories than you're meant to be, it's only going to cause you to stay ill for longer, in theory. So I would say if you are able to eat your calories and that's what you feel like eating, um, I don't know about you, but when I'm ill, the last thing I want to do is be cooking. So I tend to eat less naturally. But if the need to eat the same amount of calories as you are set is there, I would say to continue doing so. In terms of the actual amount of damage, it's not really going to be any damage you're not going to be be putting yourself into a surplus so you're not going to be eating more calories than you're burning so you're not going to be gaining tons of body fat in that time what's realistically going to happen is when you're ill you're going to retain more water anyway so you might see on the scale it physically come up but that's not to say that you've gained body from that from those two days and that weight that may potentially does go on will come off as quickly as it goes on so it's um yeah, that's what I'd say. I'd say it's not a major deal. Um, I'd say go with what the, what feels best. Either way you look at it, it's not going to make a massive difference if you drop your calories down for those two days. It's also not going to make a massive difference if you keep your calories where they are.
0: Yeah, so that's basically what I would say. It's like, if you're ill, then step back off from training, let your body do its thing and heal. And then don't stress about the food but just if you can get good quality food in do it because that's obviously going to aid your recovery but yeah you don't necessarily have to worry too much about the calories just eat what you would normally eat and then just get back on track straight away I'll just draw a line under it like for sure
1: it's Uh, even also the mentality of like if something doesn't go quite right is you want to be trying to get out of that I mean the whole reason of what we're all here for really is to try and find that balance and find trying that medium point and if you're then You're ill, so then dropping it back down again, or like then you go into the idea of okay, well if I've done loads that day, do I then eat more? so Then you're just constantly creating this back and forth. So again, it's just a couple of days. Try not to overthink it. Would be how I'd put it. Yeah, I agree. I don't really need to add anything
0: to that because I'm just (laughs) bashing over what you said. (laughs) That's
1: I feel like that's what we're gonna be doing. Like yeah, what she said.
0: So we're done now. That's it, guys. (laughs) okay next question um oh no that's Jodie's answer okay um Jamie's other question was does it matter when in the day you eat your protein like straight after a workout so for this one there's a couple of ways you can look at this so when it comes to protein you'll set a target and Ideally without getting too geeky about it you want to spread your protein across the day. So you don't want to kind of back end it all in one day because there's something called muscle protein synthesis and if you just decide I'm going to eat a whole chicken just to get my uh, protein goals in at dinner time because you haven't had anything to eat for the rest of the day then you're missing out on a big part of your ability to build muscle effectively okay. So You can't just eat one portion a day and expect to see maximum gains when it comes to your muscle growth. So ideally, you want to spread it across the day. And let's say, for example, your target is 100 grams a day. I would say just think about your three main meals and divide it into 30 grams per meal. So muscle protein synthesis works best between 20 to 30 grams. Anything over 30 will just the calories will be used they still count but the protein won't be utilized okay so anything over that is just you know empty calories at the end of the day so spread it out throughout the day uh in anything over like a four hour window period so this is why you see bodybuilders eating regular small meals because they're trying to maximize the muscle protein synthesis so they'll eat every four hours rigidly like just to do that so they'll have six smaller meals throughout the day we're not bodybuilder bodybuilders bodybuilders so we don't need to do that so that's the first point. point three main meals 30 grams of protein in each main meal will get the job done and then obviously the Other accessories like milk and your tea, a bag of nuts, a protein bar, that will just make up the rest. Um, In terms of if protein is necessary straight after a workout, um, there is a window of opportunity where you can maximize it. Uh, but you don't have to neck a protein shake 20 minutes after your workout. Otherwise you'll lose your gains. That's not how it works. A two window period and you can absolutely get a meal in would be ideal. So it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. That's mild. So what would you, anything you want to add to that?
1: Yeah. I just I just had to remind myself exactly how the um, question was phrased in case I went off on a tangent that was totally irrelevant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the the kind of, as you said, the, the geeky side of it, I do my best not to, um, but I can't help it. So again, I'm going to go a little bit geeky in the sense that, yeah, there is, I always say with protein, there's two kind of two sides to the coin. Long, long story short, protein is massively beneficial from a, let's say, bodybuilding side of things. If you're trying to build muscle, you're trying to tone up and look lean um but also from a say for example you you don't have let's say don't have any interest in going to the gym but you're looking at losing a little bit of weight both sides of it or a little bit in the middle there's massive benefits to it so exactly as vanessa said there is a window of there is a window of opportunity when it comes to protein that the, the, the body is able to utilize it or use it um to its most efficient degree um in terms of yeah, that kind of like 20 to 30 grams, even then there's a little bit of kind of like research that's coming out that's saying that it might be even more than that. But it's definitely better to have it through the day split, um, because, again, if you're trying to be muscle um, retaining, so trying to retain as much muscle as possible, you do want to be having it at a regular intervals through the day. So it makes sense, exactly as Vanessa said, not to just have an entire chicken at the end of the day and just hope for the best um another aspect to it is from a making dieting as easy as possible protein is the most satiating of all of the macronutrients so between from carbs fats and protein protein is the thing that's going to take the longest for your body to break down so from a dieting perspective feeling fuller feeling satisfied having a regular interval of protein is going to mean that you're going to feel fuller for longer you're not going to be craving as much It's also gonna help to slow down the digestion of your food. So by having protein alongside, let's say carbs. So perfect example this morning, I had some porridge and I put a scoop of protein powder in it. It's gonna cause the carbs to break down slower in the body, which means that again, I'm gonna stay full for longer and I'm gonna be satisfied. So even if you're not, let's say not at all interested in the kind of muscle protein synthesis and getting really technical on it, it's also just good to have that good breakdown of protein through the day to stay as full as you can for as long as you can. I love that answer. <laughs> and
0: have you ever like eating proats in like that's protein and oats mixed together? Oh my gosh, you just can't eat so much, can you? It's no.
1: It's you know like, what? I'm such a repeater when it comes to breakfast. That's one thing I realise. I'll talk about all the time. I'm very like. I'm a very repetitive eater. Once I find something I like, I will eat it every single morning, two weeks straight. In the moment it's oats. And I do find that's the one thing whenever I go through cycles of stuff, because I do get sick of oats at certain points, when I'm having oats that is when I'm not hungry until lunchtime and I am always thinking about food to be honest but whenever I do have oats that's when I probably think about food the least so it definitely does benefit me
0: yeah no no, uh, Jamie's just said in the in the chat I've noticed I'm less hungry during the day thanks guys as in like because you're eating protein is that why you've noticed that you're less hungry during the day feel free to unmute or just reply in the comments yes that's awesome yeah amazing and that's what it does you know like I always think if you plan your meals, your main meals around the protein rather than the other way around, you won't go far wrong. So just think what protein source am I having at breakfast? What am I having at lunch? What am I having at dinner? Plan the rest of your meal around that. And then that way it guarantees that you're going to get your protein fit in. And then you'll just figure out the rest of the dinner later. So whatever that ends up looking like easy. But I'm like you, Sarah, like I've had the same protein breakfast shake probably about six months now (laughs) but I have like a go-to but I know we're going off a tangent now but this is one of the biggest things that come up is like how do you get your protein content in and I have like probably about five or six meals that I just rotate so for breakfast it's either going to be like salmon eggs it might be a bacon sandwich at the weekend it might be, but usually it's my breakfast smoothie. A lunch will be egg on toast because I'm really not that creative. Um, or a soup with like shredded chicken in it or a really bougie salad. And then a dinner would just be a jacket potato with tuna or um, a chicken stir fry. It's like the simple, the less complicated
1: I can make it for myself, the better, really. Absolutely, yeah. And another thing is like, exact, exactly as you said, every time I think I'm like, and exciting i realized that i eat the exact same things every single day and wear the exact same things in my wardrobe but um when when clients have previously come to me and said they like like don't know how they're going to get their protein and they don't know how to think about it the way the analogy, analogy i always use is when you're going on a night out everyone's either a dress person or a shoe person so you either plan your outfit around the shoes that you were going to wear or the dress that you're going to wear and then everything else fits around it you kind of want to think of your protein intake a little bit like that. So as opposed to thinking, I'm going to have pasta for dinner, I will chuck a little bit of protein at the end. Think about, right, I'm going to have my protein source to the chicken. What meal can I make that is exciting around that? It's just switching how you think about it. And then it, every single time someone does that, their protein intake normally is over what they need. And then they're having to like reduce it down because it's getting too much. So just think of that as a forefront of your meal, like it's the dress for the evening or the shoes for the evening. And I find it so much easier i've never heard of that
0: analogy before did you make that up i totally made it up myself yeah i'm really proud of myself Going to look at protein i'm gonna think of shoes now right yeah what are, what are you a dress or a shoe person
1: I'm i'm thinking about how i can get out the night out to be honest i'm a bit boring um <laughs> but it's probably the it's probably the dress and then i'm trying to find a pair of shoes i can walk in <laughs> yeah
0: I'm a, I'm definitely a dress person <laughs> that's brilliant okay next question then uh um, How does water intake affect muscle growth? Ooh, that's an interesting... I've never been asked this one before. It's a
1: good one. That was one I saw and I thought, okay.
0: Right. I haven't actually researched this, so who knows but my understanding of how everything works it doesn't necessarily impact your growth it's going to impact how your muscles perform so if you are in the gym and you're not hydrated you're not going to be able to perform as well in the gym lift as heavy um you also might be prone to cramps so probably not a smart idea in that essence um so i know that I always encourage people to try and get around about two liters and you don't have to overkill it with three or four liters. Like that's not necessary. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to make sure you're well hydrated. If you do notice that you're starting to get cramps, just check your water intake or possibly um, your electrolytes, and your salt, etc. But yeah, it's not necessarily going to affect the growth, just how you perform, which will then in a, in turn of that affect the growth of the muscle. But that's it for me any
1: insights in that one sarah well yeah it's, it's a it's a difficult one to answer um in the sense that i can't really answer it directly again so there's a, okay i'm gonna totally scrap what i just said because that was total waffle but <laughs>
0: yes.
1: you'll get that a lot with me by the way but um in terms of your ability to build muscle it's more about unique water is vital to every single process in the body so your ability to string sentences together, for your ability to burn calories, to, to burn few f- through fuel, to sleep properly, to everything. Water is essential to every single thing. So if you are marginally dehydrated, all those processes are going to be affected by to some degree. So in theory, yes, it's also going to affect your ability to build muscle. So from that perspective, yes. And then everything else that was mentioned, um, in terms of your ability to perform well in the gym, I think that's where it's gonna affect it most. So if you're dehydrated, your body isn't able to retain as much something called glycogen, which is energy store in a muscle. For it to be retained, there has to be water there. Um, for you to perform properly in the gym, again, things like exactly as Vanessa said, for cramping, for general, like your brain function being there. So being able to focus on pushing that extra rep or extra kilo, you need to be in your best position possible. So being dehydrated, you're just not going to be there. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably about it.
0: So I'm just taking a little tour around my
1: house. <laughs> just lock my- of which, i have not drunk near enough water today.
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone suddenly reaches for their glass of water. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, love that. Um, okay, next one carol's question so carol's asked what's your view on taking supplements not vitamins um but i mean the fat burners and thermogenic types this is your question is it okay
1: this one is interesting and so fun fact about me when i was a teenager i worked in holland and um and so my job was to sell these things I, i mean Hands up if you've heard of things like there was raspberry ketones, that was really big a few years ago. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones now. You've got like the green coffee or green tea extract, all these things. You want to think of fat loss as a bit of a kind of a pyramid of importance. If we put the most important thing down here, it's gonna be your calories. That's what's gonna affect your ability to lose fat. Um, whether you're burning more calories you're consuming, or consuming more calories than you're burning. Next thing up from there would probably be training. After that would be, oh, actually, no, take a step back there. Then it'd be your activity. So things like your steps, how much you're moving in a day. Then it would be your activity. And then at the very, very top, a tiny little bit would be the impact of supplements. Now, I don't pretend to know about the the thorough results of every single supplement out there however the impact that a supplement is ever going to have whether it be the most researched on the market is so marginal compared to the impacts of what steps are going to do what your training is going to do what your nutrition is going to do so i would say it's really definitely not worth it if you're if you're thinking about something up here but you've not nailed those fundamentals down here it's just not worth thinking about um from a scientific perspective will some of them cause you to burn more body fat they might raise your so thermogenic rate so kind of the body's um so that's really weird free um ability to to burn calories it might increase it slightly but again it's not the difference between taking a couple of tablets and you're gonna lose an extra pound that week and not taking them and not seeing that pound drop it's going to be those fundamentals down the bottom that are going to be the the game changer
0: mm. you know I was just thinking about that I mean I've done my fair share of fat burners I'm gonna hold my hand up to that I tried everything and I think whilst there's a thermogenic sense to that um it's not going to be huge there are some appetite suppressants in them mm-hmm. um things like detox tea just make you have the shits. So yum to that. Um, but I think a large part of what thermogenics do is a placebo effect as well, because you're, you're taking a supplement thinking, the power of the mind thinking, oh yeah, this is gonna work. And guess what happens? You suddenly tidy up your diet. You're suddenly being more active. And so actually just by taking it, the placebo effect of that is you are then doing the things that you need to do in order to see the results. So a large part of it will probably be placebo related as well as, um, you know, the marginal gains that you get from the thermogenic effects of it as well. Um, Plus, you're going to be wired because they are packed with like caffeine. So if you don't sleep great, I definitely wouldn't recommend them. But they don't teach you anything. Um, And I feel like, Taking things like that, it's not cheating, but I feel if you're going to take something, you have to go in with the view of taking it forever. As in, would you want to do that? Most people will probably say not, and it's just going to be a massive waste of time. Um, not time, massive waste of your money. And that money will be better invested in better food, better quality food, vegetables, those kind of things that are actually going to have a way more positive impact on you for sure. Cool. Right. I think you want to add to that Sarah
1: no I think um I think pretty much nailed it to be fair um
0: yeah amazing right got another question from uh Carol so this one was due to work commitments and having to walk the dogs before I work I have to do I have to train in the evenings this means I don't always eat until 8 p.m when it's too well sorry when is it too late to eat Could I be hindering my results by eating this late? That's actually a really good question. Okay. So, my take on this from a purely fat burning perspective, calories in versus calories out, it doesn't matter what time of day you do that. So, if you're eating late at night, it doesn't really matter. Right. From a health perspective, or what's probably best practice, is you do want to give your body some time to rest and digest. And so, When we say we're having breakfast, you have to think about what that is. It's breaking your fast and to allow um, all your body to internally just have a break from constantly processing everything that you're putting in. It's wise and your gut health to just take a 12-hour period of not eating. Uh, And I would say that's probably a minimum. So if you're eating late, it might actually be better to... wait a little longer for you to before you have your breakfast so I would say 12 hours would be like the first point you want to have your breakfast um then you can go into like 14 hours and I think 16 hours is kind of optimal um but then obviously that would take you right into lunchtime And there's nothing wrong with that and it won't hurt you at all um but yeah that's just from a purely like giving your body a break from constantly processing food that you're eating but in terms of hindering your fat uh fat loss progress it won't it won't make any difference would you reckon Sarah
1: yeah absolutely I mean the, the the body is very clever for many things but it's not aware of like time zones it's not like if you travel across the world it suddenly goes oh right okay so no we don't burn fat now between what is technically 2am and yeah so it doesn't it doesn't know those sorts of things um yeah exactly as you said from a kind of a grand step away perspective on a weekly basis if you're still consuming the same amount of calories whether you decide to wake up at 2am and eat all your calories then um why would you not <laughs> good night snacks um <laughs> I'm so tired in the morning I'm just so full um (laughs) also another another I'm actually now thinking about it I I I said it in a joking way but there is a real life example of that and that's Ramadan right there are people that
0: (laughs) you did it
1: no no but when you think about it people that go through Ramadan each year so they aren't allowed to eat during the hours of sun sunlight So as soon as the sun sets they are then able to eat um, I actually had a client for many years who always happened to want to diet through Ramadan. I was like, why are you making life more difficult? But anyway, um, yeah, we were able to continue fat loss while they were eating at God knows what hours and waking up at like four in the morning to then have their dinner as such. Um, so, no, it doesn't it doesn't affect a physical fat loss Um, the the effects of physical fat loss, even Um, from a kind of a weight perspective, yes, if you've eaten later in the day, then your body is probably still going to be going through those processes. And you might experience a higher weight in the morning, potentially, you might retain more water overnight. So you might see a slightly higher weight in the morning. But that absolutely doesn't mean that you are gaining body fat more so by eating later in the day. Again, your body doesn't have a body clock, but exactly as Vanessa said, you need to give your body a break. So if you are eating that Um, your last meal later on you're not going to give your body as much of a break unless you extend your your fasting until later on in the morning to then have your breakfast at let's say 9 or 10 a.m there go love that um any
0: other questions is there anything that you suddenly cropped up for you ladies whether it be a personal question something you've come across or just a general one that will help you on your journey either pop it in the chat box or um or unmute
1: yourself if you feel brave enough. I think Jamie's put one in. Um, what electrolytes do you recommend? I always get cramps.
0: Ooh, okay. So, cramping, it it may not be electrolytes, it could be magnesium as well. That's another reason why people might get cramps. So, uh, you can absolutely supplement with magnesium, may also help with sleep as well.
1: Crouch um, for that one personally. We <laughs>
0: yeah, had that conversation the other he did. day. We did um but also so electrolytes you don't have to go fancy you could literally go to boots um my daughter bought one for a festival because she was drinking and she just didn't want to have a hangover while she was partying so there you go you can just literally walk into Sainsbury's pick up go to the pharmacy section grab yourself some electrolytes so I can't remember what they're called
1: I don't know do you yeah. get like the C C I S. I think I might even have some in the cover, I'm not gonna open it though, because I don't know it's like a fall down. Um <laughs> I think they're CIS where they're like in this in this tube. You can get them in Sainsbury's and then you can oh and home bargains as well. Um but yeah, they come in different flavours and they're pretty pretty decent. But generally speaking, I do find with again clients that have experienced lots of cramping, especially if you get it at night um Like in your feet seems to be quite a common one. Magnesium, I would always say, is the first port of call, cool, or potassium are the two supplements that I tend to find. Magnesium is normally the thing that solves it for most people, but potassium is another one that you might worth mm-hmm. trying if you're not regularly eating bananas, for example. Oh, that's why I don't get them. I have a banana every day. yeah I don't, and I, but I have to take magnesium and things every day, and I take a multivitamin for potassium. Wait, you need to get on the banana train with me. No, I'm, in, I'm on the apple train at the moment. I'm oh, having like. <laughs> I'm having like two apples a day. So the doctor is so far away from me, wouldn't believe. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Any other
0: questions? Feel free.
1: Um, The only other thing that I kind of want to talk about is obviously you've been doing weight training for quite a while now. And as you start to up the weights, how often do you find that you're getting a twinge somewhere like your knee might start playing up or your hip or something? Because cool, I've had it with my knee once, and it kind of went away on its own, and I just avoided certain exercises. And mm. now I've got it in my hip, and I'm like, I don't want to stop doing the lunges and the squats and everything because I'm loving it. But yeah. like, I feel like I've just got to change what I'm doing a little bit, and it just puts me off doing certain things. Yeah. I just think. It's How really... often does that happen for you guys?
0: Well, normally, not that much. But if I notice that I'm having like twinges, I had one last week in my knee. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So basically what happened with me is I was in a gym and they've got these metal iron plates, right? So I'm offloading this angled leg press, these giant metal, I'm emphasizing the metal because that's important, right? And I bashed it on my knee and I was like, with a client, trying not to swear, like that really hurt, holding it together. Uh, But basically I've chipped my patella, which is fun. (laughs) Anyway, that was like a few months ago. And every now and then, if I kneel on it, I can feel that it's like the chip is obviously quite sensitive on the skin. I'm like, I forget all the time, I'm like, oh, that hurt. Anyway, last week I've been training legs really heavy and I could feel a pull underneath my kneecap. And I'm like, oh no. What if I've um what if I've actually damaged my knee and now I've got like I was literally spiraling. Once they play over your knees, that's it. You're never gonna be able to squat properly again. I was yeah, that's what I worry about. Yeah. Anyway, my legs were really tired and I hadn't had a sports massage forever. So I I messaged my sports massage guy and I was like, my legs need you. Like, please just work on my quads. And he laughed because he knows it's going to hurt. Anyway, he obviously did a sports massage. Next day, pain gone. So quite often when we experience a pain in the knee, Um, If it can be underneath or at the side, it's often a case of having tight muscles where we just haven't paid attention to stretching. Guilty sometimes. Um, And so doing like stretches after your training is important, but don't think it just ends there. Keeping on top of your stretching in the evening because once you've stretched after your workout, the muscles are still going to contract and get tighter and tighter again. So often having a stretch before bedtime, um having regular massages maybe if you can't do that a foam roller will help massively so just basically keeping on top of your muscles and keeping them healthy is going to help that so um if you can get into a sauna if you can or got access to having a a sauna a jacuzzi that will help warm the muscle up and then you have a good old stretch then maybe a warm bath um Would help, so yeah, lots of things you can do, but it's not necessarily mean that you've injured yourself, it's probably tight muscles first port of call. So give that a go first, and if it's persisting, then that's when you probably want to go get it checked out.
1: Yeah, cool, yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely to stretch more, I think that's probably my issue. I, I used to do it a lot, and I've just sort of less and less and less i think it's time isn't it right out of time
0: yeah well saying that when when i'm here with jason i don't know why i looked over there he's not there (laughs) (laughs) when he's here my imaginary jason uh he'll be watching tv and i'll be on the floor like stretching because his tv's pro his like man cartoons (laughs) so i'll just be stretching away so a program on sit there watch tv get your stretches done in front of the tv time passes anyway so why Mm -hmm. not kill two birds with one stone
1: yeah cool thank you
0: amazing anything you want to add to that
1: sarah not really no i mean this is the thing like aches and pains do pop up here and there like i find that um with my job i'm obviously stood in a gym all day and work as in I teach this like classes, I'm an instructor, I PT, I'm stood up all day, every day. Um and all through my like training career as such, I get flare-ups of sciatica, which basically means I just get a shooting down my leg and I and it's essentially down to tight glutes. And then tight glutes cause tight hamstrings, tight hamstrings cause tight calves. Um, and again, I am the first person to walk straight out of the gym at the end of a session and not bother stretching and then moan that everything's sore. Um, And I'll continue to moan, but yeah, absolutely. There are little niggles that are going to pop up here and there. Um, Also things like where you are in your cycle, things are going to flare up more as well. Um, If you've been sat down all day, you're more likely to get issues with your hips. So definitely maybe paying attention to a little bit more mobility at the beginning of sessions um, could be that. Um, And if an issue is persisting, I would say go and see, yeah, sports massage, um, osteo, Anyone that's, yeah, I would say go to a professional as soon as things are kind of consistent, um, mm-hmm. but always start off with a bit of mobility and a bit of stretching.
0: Cool. I Ooh, nearly missed a question. You. We nearly missed Claire's question. So let's revert back to that. <laughs> I should be really upset we didn't answer it. But this is her question. I'm going to be playing around with my macros to better manage my blood sugar levels. I get regular dips during the afternoon which is true she's told me about this how much of a nutrition compromise would it be to switch out my unflavored whey protein i buy from my protein to a flavored one or is there not much in it i'll let you take the sponsor
1: well it, this is with no information but assuming i know that the I, I, correct me if i'm wrong but the flavored ones it's just sweetener isn't it
0: yeah it's just sweet it's just
1: sweetener so um short answer no um sweeteners have not been shown to show like increase like cause any impact in um blood sugar levels um consistently so no it's just going to make it taste a bit better to be honest with you um right. so yeah absolutely none to put it as simply as possible bosh don't think i need to add anything to that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah it is is a very long uh question for a very short answer wasn't it I feel the like thing is though you just wouldn't
1: know because in your in like if you're having something flavored, something flavoured can taste like it's sweet, it's gotta have something else in it. But yeah, sweeteners, it's not gonna impact blood sugar levels. Um yeah, go for it, knock yourself out.
0: Well, not literally. I mean, no, don't do that. <laughs> that would solve the blood sugar problem. Uh <laughs> cravings that you get, I suppose, but not recommended.
1: No, don't don't knock yourself out on my account.
0: <laughs> Sarah said do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay please don't do that anyone that's listening to us okay that is it any other questions feel free I have time I have literally nowhere to be so I'm here we're here all good I've loved it great stuff I enjoyed that one thanks guys for rocking up